Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 99. One of the things that amazes me about the Bible and about who God is, is that he is so faithful, so loyal when I'm not. And it's one of the reasons why God is praised throughout the Bible. It's one of the reasons we praise him to this day. And my hope is that through these passages, we will see this loyal love on display We will hear about it and also join with those who praise God for the wonderful ways he shows his faithful love. And so let's begin with 2 Samuel chapter 9. David asked, Is anyone still left from the family of Saul that I might extend kindness to him for the sake of Jonathan? Now there was a servant from Saul's house named Ziba, so he was summoned to David. The king asked him, Are you Ziba? He replied, At your service. The king asked, Is there not someone left from Saul's family that I may extend God's kindness to him? Ziba said to the king, One of Jonathan's sons is left. Both of his feet are crippled. The king asked him, Where is he? Ziba told the king, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. So King David had him brought from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodibar. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed low with his face toward the ground. David said, Mephibosheth? He replied, Yes, at your service. David said to him, Don't be afraid, because I will certainly extend kindness to you for the sake of Jonathan your father. I will give back to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will be a regular guest at my table. Then Mephibosheth bowed and said, Of what importance am I, your servant, that you would show regard for a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's attendant, and said to him, Everything that belonged to Saul and to his entire house I hereby give to your master's grandson. You will cultivate the land for him, you and your sons and your servants. You will bring its produce and it will be food for your master's grandson to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will be a regular guest at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do everything that my lord the king has instructed his servant to do. So Mephibosheth was a regular guest at David's table, just as he, as though he were one of the king's sons. Now Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. All the members of Ziba's household were Mephibosheth's servants. Mephibosheth was living in Jerusalem, for he was a regular guest at the king's table. But both his feet were crippled. Later the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanun succeeded him. David said, I will express my loyalty to Hanun, son of Nahash, just as his father was loyal to me. So David sent his servants with a message expressing sympathy over his father's death. When David's servants entered the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite officials said to their lord Hanun, Do you really think David is trying to honor your father by sending these messengers to express his sympathy? No. David has sent his servants to get information about the city and spy on it so that they can overthrow it. So Hanun seized David's servants, shaved off half of each one's beard, He cut the lower part of the robes off so that their buttocks were exposed, and then he sent them away. Messengers told David what had happened, so he sent them to the men who were thoroughly humiliated. The king said, Stay in Jericho until your beards have grown again. Then you may come back. 
When the Ammonites realized that David was disgusted with them, they sent and hired 20,000 foot soldiers from Aram Beth Rehob and Aram Zobah, in addition to the 1,000 men from the king of Makkah and 12,000 from Ishtob. When David heard the news, he sent Job and the entire army to meet them. The Ammonites marched out and were deployed for battle at the entrance of the city gate, while the men from Arab Zobah, Rehob, Ishtob, and Makkah were themselves were by themselves in the field. When Job saw that the battle would be fought on two fronts, he chose some of Israel's best men and deployed them against the Arameans. He put his brother Abishai in charge of the rest of the army, and they were deployed against the Ammonites. Job said, If the Arameans start to overpower me, you come to my rescue. If the Ammonites start to overpower you, I will come to your rescue. Be strong. Let's fight bravely for the sake of the people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what he decides is best. So Job and his men marched out to do battle with the Arameans, and they fled before them. Before him. When the Ammonites saw the Arameans flee, they fled before his brother Abishai and went into the city. Job withdrew from fighting the Ammonites and returned to Jerusalem. When the Arameans realized that they had been defeated by Israel, they consolidated their forces. Then Hadadezer sent for the Arameans from beyond the Euphrates River, and they came to Helam. Shobak, the general in command of Hadadezer's army, led them. When David was informed, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and came to Helam. The Arameans deployed their forces against David and fought with him. The Arameans fled before Israel. David killed 700 Aramean charioteers and 40,000 foot soldiers. He also struck down Shobak, the general in, of, in command of the army, who died there. When all the kings who were subject to Hadadezer saw they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with Israel and became subjects of Israel. The Arameans were no longer willing to help the Ammonites. And now we move on to, again, the parallel passages from 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 18 and 19. Later, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them. He took Gath and its surrounding towns away from the Philistines. He defeated the Moabites. The Moabites became David's subjects and brought tribute. David defeated King Hadadezer of Zobah as far as Hamath he went, when he went to extend his authority to the Euphrates River. David seized from him 1,000 chariots, 7,000 charioteers, and 20,000 infantrymen. David cut the hamstrings of all but 100 of Hadadezer's chariot horses. The Arameans of Damascus came to help King Hadadezer of Zobah, but David killed 22,000 of the Arameans. David placed garrisons in the territory of the Arameans of Damascus. The Arameans became David's subjects and brought tribute. The Lord protected David wherever he campaigned. David took the golden shields which Hadadezer's servants had carried and brought them to Jerusalem. From Tibhath and Kun, Hadadezer cities, David took a great deal of bronze. Solomon used it to make the bronze basin called the sea, the pillars, and the other bronze items. When King Tua of Hamath heard that David had defeated the entire army of King Hadadezer of Zobah, he sent his son Hadaram to King David to extend his best wishes and to pronounce blessing on him for his victory over Hadadezer, for Tua had been at war with Hadadezer. He also sent various items made of gold, silver, and bronze. King David dedicated these things to the Lord, along with the silver and gold which he had carried off from all the other nations, including Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and Amalek. Abishai, son of Zariah, killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He placed garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's subjects. The Lord protected David wherever he campaigned. David reigned over all Israel. He guaranteed justice for all his people. Joab, the son of Zariah, was commanding general of the army. Jehoshaphat, son of Ahilud, was secretary. Zadok, son of Abihitud, and Abimelech, son of Abiathar, 
were priests. Shavsa was scribe. Benaiah was son, son of Joiada, supervised the Carathites and the Pelathites, and David's sons were lead, the leading officials. Later, King Nahash of the Ammonites died, and his sons succeeded him. David said, I will express my loyalty to Hanun, son of Nahash, for his father was loyal to him. So David sent messengers to express his sympathy over his father's death. When David's servants entered Ammonite territory to visit Hanun and express the king's sympathy, the Ammonite officials said to Hanun, Do you really think David is trying to honor your father by sending messengers to express his sympathy? No. His servants have come to you to say they can, so that they can get information and spy out the land. So Hanun seized David's servants and shaved their beards off. He cut the lower part of their robes so that their buttocks were exposed, and then he sent them away. People came and told David what had happened to the men, so he sent messengers to meet them, for the men were thoroughly humiliated. The king said, Stay in Jericho until your beards grow again, then you may come back. When the Ammonites realized that David was disgusted with them, Hanun and the Ammonites sent 1,000 talents of silver and to hire chariots and charioteers from Aram Narahayim and Aram Makkah and Zobah. They hired 32,000 chariots, along with the king of Makkah and his army, who came and camped in front of Madiba. The Ammonites also assembled from their cities and marched out to do battle. When David heard the news, he sent Job and the entire army to meet them. The Ammonites marched out and were deployed for battle at the entrance to the city, while the kings who had come by themselves were in the field. When Job saw that the battle would be fought on two fronts, he chose some of Israel's best men and deployed them against the Arameans. He put his brother Abishai in charge of the rest of the army, and they were deployed against the Ammonites. Job said, If the Arameans start to overpower me, you come to my rescue. If the Ammonites start to overpower you, I will come to your rescue. Be strong. Let's fight bravely for the sake of the people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do whatever he decides is best. So Job and his men marched toward the Arameans to do battle, and they fled before him. When the Ammonites saw the Arameans flee, they fled before Job's brother Abishai and withdrew in this, into the city. And Job went back to Jerusalem. When the Arameans realized that they had been defeated by Israel, they sent for reinforcements from beyond the Euphrates River, led by Shopak, the commanding general of Hadadezer's army. When David was informed, he gathered all Israel, crossed the Jordan River, and marched against them. David deployed his army against the Arameans for battle, and they fought against him. The Arameans fled before Israel. David killed 7,000 Aramean charioteers and 40,000 infantrymen. He also killed Shopak, the commanding general. When Hadadezer's subjects saw they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became his subjects. The Arameans were no longer willing to help the Ammonites. And here we have uh, David trying to extend uh, a, a form of loyalty and love. Uh, it's rebuked, as uh, so often happens in our human interactions, and it led to David's defeat of people who refused to submit to him, refused to ref- give in to him, and it ended in their defeat. And now we go to Psalm 89, which speaks of God's loyal, faithful love, recounting his faithfulness to Israel throughout their history. Psalm 89. A well-written song by Ethan the Ezraite. I will sing continually about the Lord's faithful deeds. To future generations I will proclaim your faithfulness. For I say, loyal love is permanently established. In the skies you set up your faithfulness. The Lord said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have made a promise on oath to David, my servant. I will give you an eternal dynasty and establish your throne throughout future generations. O Lord, the heavens praise your amazing deeds, as well as your faithfulness in the angelic assembly. For who in the skies can compare to the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings, a God who is honored in great angelic assembly and more awesome than all who surround him? 
O Lord, God of heaven's armies, who is strong like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule over the proud sea. When its waves surge, you calm them. You crushed the, the proud one and killed it. With your strong arm, you scattered your enemies. The heavens belong to you, as does the earth. You made the world and all, its, all it contains. You created the north and the south. Tabor and Hermon rejoice in your name. Your arm is powerful, your hand strong, your right hand victorious. Equity and justice are the foundation of your throne. Loyal love and faithfulness characterize your rule. How blessed are the people who worship you. O Lord, they experience your favor. They rejoice in your name all day long and are vindicated by your justice. For you give them splendor and strength. By your favor, we are victorious. For our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. Then you spoke through a vision to your faithful followers and said, I have placed a young hero over a warrior. I have raised up a young man from the people. I have discovered David, my servant. With my holy oil, I have anointed him as king. With my hand, I will support him, and my arm will strengthen him. No enemy will be able to exact tribute from him. A violent oppressor will not be able to humiliate him. I will crush his enemies before him. I will strike down those who hate him. He will experience my faithfulness and loyal love. And by my name, he will win victories. I will place his hand over the sea, his right hand over the rivers. He will call out to me, You are my Father, my God, and the Protector who delivers me. I will appoint him to be my firstborn son, the most exalted of the earth's kings. I will always extend my loyal love to him, and my covenant with him is secure. I will give him an eternal dynasty and make his throne as enduring as the skies above. If his sons reject my law and disobey my regulations, if they break my rules and do not keep my commandments, I will punish their rebellion by beating them with a club, their sin by inflicting them with bruises. But I will not remove my loyal love from him, nor be unfaithful to my promise. I will not break my covenant or go back on what I promised. Once and for all, I have vowed by my own holiness, I will never deceive David. His dynasty will last forever. His throne will endure before me like the sun. It will, be, it will remain stable like the moon. His throne will endure like the skies. But you have spurned and rejected him. You are angry with your chosen king. You have repudiated your covenant with your servant. You have thrown his crown to the ground. You have broken down all his walls. You have made his strongholds a heap of ruins. All who pass by have robbed him. and He has become an object of disdain to his neighbors. You have allowed his adversaries to be victorious and his enemies to rejoice. You turn back his sword from the adversary and have not sustained him in battle. You have brought an end to his splendor and have knocked his throne to the ground. You have cut short his youth and have covered him with shame. How long, O Lord, will this last? Will you remain hidden forever? Will your anger continue to burn like fire? Take note of my brief lifespan. Why do you make all people so mortal? No man can live on without experiencing death or deliver his life from the power of Sheol. Where are your earlier faithful deeds, O Lord, the ones performed in accordance with your reliable oath to David? Take note, O Lord, of the way your servants are taunted, of how I must bear so many insults from people. Your enemies, O Lord, hurl insults. They insult your chosen king as they dog his footsteps. The Lord deserves praise forever. We agree. We agree. And so as the psalm expresses, praise to God for his faithful love, there's a recognition as well that there are times where it's not felt as much. And it's in those times that remembering God's faithfulness is the key to continuing on with courage and with grace. And we see this in the life of Paul as we read and continue his story in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26.
So Agrippa said to Paul, You have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul held out his hand and began his defense. Regarding all the things I have been accused of by the Jews, King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate that I am about to make my defense before you today, because you are especially familiar with all the customs and controversial issues of the Jews. Therefore, I ask you to listen to me patiently. Now all the Jews know the way I lived from my youth, spending my life from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They know because they have known me from time past, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made to God by to our ancestors, a promise that our twelve tribes hope to obtain as they earnestly serve God night and day. Concerning this hope, the Jews are accusing me, your majesty. Why do you people think it's so unbelievable that God raises the dead? Of course, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus the Nazarene, and that is what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison by the authority I received from the chief priests, but I also cast my vote against them when they were sentenced to death. I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to force them to blaspheme, because I was so furiously enraged at them, I went to persecute them even in foreign cities." While doing this very thing, I was going to Damascus with authority and complete power from the chief priests. About noon along the road, your majesty, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining everywhere around me and those traveling with me. When we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You are hurting yourself by kicking against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this reason. I designate you in advance as a servant and witness to the things you have seen and to the things in which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and share and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared to those in Damascus first, and then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, performing deeds consistent with repentance. For this reason, the Jews, after they had seized me while I was in the temple courts, were trying to kill me. I have experienced help from God to this day. And so I stand testifying to both small and great, saying nothing except what the prophets and Moses said was going to happen, that the Christ was to suffer and be the first to rise from the dead and to proclaim light both to our own people and to the Gentiles. As Paul was saying these things in his defense, Festus exclaimed loudly, You have lost your mind, Paul. Your great learning is driving you insane. But Paul replied, I have not lost my mind, most excellent Festus. But I am speaking true and rational words, for the king knows about these things, and I am speaking freely to him because I believe I cannot believe that any of these things have escaped his notice, for this was not done in a corner. Do you believe the prophets, King Agrippa? I know that you believe. Agrippa said to Paul, In such a short time are you persuading me to become a Christian? Paul replied, I pray to God that whether in a short or a long time, not only you, but also all those who are listening to me today could become such as I am, except for these chains. So the king got up, and with him the governor and Bernice, and those sitting with him. And as they were leaving, they said to one another, 
This man is not doing anything deserving death or imprisonment. King Agrippa said to Festus, This man could have been released if he had not appealed to Caesar. And again, here we have Paul sharing the story of his conversion, the story of Jesus grabbing hold of him on the road to Damascus and showing him his faithful love to him, even though Saul had been, as, as Saul, Paul had been persecuting Jesus and doing damage to his very church. And yet here's Jesus showing faithful love, unstoppable love to Paul. And that's the good news, I think, for any of us today, that no matter who we are or where we've come from, we can know that this God that's described in the Bible, that's described in these stories, is a God of faithful love and a God whose love is beyond any love we've ever experienced or could ever experience, a love we desperately long for, a love we need. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. There. You were always there, whispering the truth.